Welcome to the Dropship Podcast, where you'll learn how to build and grow a high-ticket dropshipping business and hear stories from successful e-commerce entrepreneurs. Let's kick this thing off. Hey, welcome to the first episode of Freedom Friday on the Dropship Podcast. Uh, We thought there was more to do on this podcast than just give away all the tactical information. Here's how you start. Here's your next step. There's a place for those podcasts, but I... uh, me personally, uh, I like to hear the stories. I like to get motivated. I like to hear how other people's lives have changed uh, through business. I like to hear the other challenges because we're all humans, right? It's not just wake up, tell me what steps to do, and that's the end of my day. Of course not. That's not how life works, right? And so uh, we wanted to have Freedom Friday in here to talk to some people who have who've been through this, um, who are in a much better place in their life and have them tell their story and the struggles they had and, uh, you know, what, what freedom they now have by owning a business, uh, by owning assets. And we thought what better place to start than telling our own story. Uh, and John graciously volunteered to be the Guinea pig for freedom Fridays here. Uh, so we're going to dive into your story today, John. Yeah, man. Awesome. And I tell you what, these are the episodes of this podcast that I'm, I'm personally really looking forward to listening to. Um, I think, yeah, this is this is the stuff that gets me excited about business is, you know, where people started, the change they went through as they, you know, built their business, what they experienced, where they've ended up, you know, if they've been doing it for a while, where, where it's taken them. And I see, hear so many stories of people who have, you know, built high ticket dropshipping businesses and they've ended up in so many different places and often ones that they didn't expect they were going to end up in. And I find it fascinating, honestly, fascinating and you know, ultimately, this sort of stuff is is the reason why, um, you know, why I started working with people to help them build their own businesses is is to see these, you know, people's journeys and and help them along the way. And I think it's, uh, you know, yeah, I'm super excited. I think we've got going to have some great guests on the upcoming Freedom Friday episodes as well. Um, who, you know, I know obviously we've talked about some of them, and um, yeah, there's some great stories in there. So I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, there's some people living their version of their best life, right? Um, I think maybe when we interview them, you'll see that it might not be what I would choose personally, uh, but it's definitely what they choose and they're fucking loving it. Uh, uh, And I'm enjoying following their Instagram feeds as well. And so I'm excited to share. There's all kinds of different stories. And, And if I look back, to where I began, that's one of the first things I did. Number one, I started investigating uh, the course creator of the course I was considering taking. Uh, and then I started stumbling into people who had done it before. I found them on podcasts who were talking about it and how it changed their lives and the business they built. And and look, I wanted I wanted proof. I wanted documentation for my brain to, to realize this is possible. Uh, and so I think interviewing successful entrepreneurs, let alone telling your and I story of how we got here today, um, is going to show people what's possible and show, provide them evidence so that, uh, their brain can say, yeah, maybe I can do this too. Yeah. And, and that's one of the really cool things is that you, you said like people have, you see all people doing all sorts of different things and, and like it might not be your, your, I guess your version of success, you know, living their best life and that sort of thing. And that's, I, I think it's completely wild. Like all the different ways that people go with this uh, or can go with their journey places that, um, you know, I think of some of the people and they've just ended up in places after starting a high ticket dropshipping business or an e-commerce business that they just never even plan for their life to be in, but they absolutely love it. And I think that's that's just so cool. And and hearing those stories is, yeah, it's just fascinating. It's awesome. Yeah, I hope to share that. And I hope to share what like 
personally for my, for my own joy of like what building wealth does to people, right? Actually owning an asset, not being a slave to a nine to five, building true wealth that allows you freedom in your life to make choices. And that's really all money is, is a tool to help you make, uh, to give you more options, to make the choices you want to make. And so hopefully we can share some amazing stories. I'm already, you know, burning through my head of people like Brian Angel and Anastasia Vankova and uh, some other amazing people who are doing really cool things uh, with their lives. In fact, I, I know some people who aren't high ticket dropshipping anymore. They've moved into other things that they found through high ticket dropshipping and are absolutely loving it too. And so uh, I think we'll have a wide variety of stories on here and I'm, I'm excited to share them. Yeah, for sure. But first, let's start with yours, John. Uh, I want to go back to the beginning, buddy. I want to know how, how you started. Cause I'm not even sure I know some of these answers. So I'm excited to learn a little bit from you. I want to know how you started. Like what was the catalyst you, how did you even begin researching the idea of starting your own business? Cause I think you were, you were working as you say in HR, uh, in your job, like you were working corporate, hmm. right? You were a corporate guy, yeah. but I, how did you just, how did you discover the idea of starting your own business? Had you already done things on the side, uh, or like what motivated you to start in the first place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally good question. I was I was thinking about this um, just now, and I, I can I can remember like an actual moment in time, like I it was kind of like a light bulb moment, like one of those kind of classic light bulb moments, right? Where I just remember something in, and, and I'll, I'll get back to the actual story, but I there was there I can actually pinpoint a moment in time where like I had something just click in my head, and it said, and it, the thing that clicked in my head was like. What I'm experiencing now sucks. I need to do something about it, right? So you're absolutely right. At the t- at that time, I was working in in a corporate role, um, sort of like mid level management, if you like. So I managed a team of people um, working in Sydney, which is one of the the capital cities in Australia. Um, working in a, in an office block, you know, very uh, kind of typical corporate role, I guess. You know, often in the office, but I used to travel a lot and that sort of thing. Um, I was making decent money, right? So I had a, I had a six figure salary, if you like. Uh, so that wasn't bad. Um, but I'd been doing it for at that point in time, I'd, I'd been doing it for about nine years. So, you know, I'd been in it for a while and, you know, for me, I had to commute three hours a day to work, you know, so I'd be up first thing in the morning. I'd come back just before dark kind of thing. Once again, a very typical sort of story. At that time, I had a young family. I was planning to have more kids. I uh, already had um, uh, uh, one child and, and, and another one was on the horizon. And the, the child I had at the time, I barely saw him because I was just never there. I'd probably see him for like half an hour every day. And, you know, it'd be like that and just repeat, repeat every week, all of that sort of thing. So like totally, you know, the, I guess the, the experience that most people have that work a nine to five job at this point in time. Um, you know, often you're working more hours than you're getting paid for and all of that sort of thing. So, uh, and, and I've been doing that for so long. And I just remember I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm at that time I was um, in my early thirties. Um, so I would, yeah, I would have been like 30, 31, something like that. And I just remember thinking at that point, wow, I've got to do this for another 40 years. 40 years, right? Um, and I'm, I'm sitting here going, this sucks and I've got to do it for another 40 years. And it was just like uh, all of a sudden, like something just clicked and said, I can't accept that in my mind. I have to find a different way of living my life because if I have to do this for another 40 years, literally it's going to kill me. Like I can't, I can't imagine that. The thought of that 
is just so mind-numbingly depressing that I've got to I've got to make a change. I got to do something else. Um, and that was that was sort of like that moment. And after that moment, I just started looking for that something else, right? And I just made a decision to myself. I said, I can't accept this any longer. I have to do something different. Like I have to. Not doing something different is not an option. I can't just sit here and just keep going along with what's what's already happening, what's like normal, what's comfortable, um, because we say it's comfortable, but it's really not. For me, it was at that point, it was deeply uncomfortable, right? Even though it was what nor it was I was doing the normal thing like like what my parents wanted me to do, what society kind of said you should do, um, you know, have a job, have a mortgage, blah, 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 start a family, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, I, I'd done all of that and it was just, for me, it was just like, yeah, it was terrible. It was horrible. So literally I, I had no, I had, I had never tried any business before. I had no experience with business. Um, I didn't have a side hustle or I'd never done any of that sort of stuff before. And so, um, but I, I knew like I need to, so, so my biggest issue was really, wasn't really finances or anything like that. Like I said, I mean, I had a decent paying job. I wasn't like check, like check to check or anything like that. Um, but for me, it was just like the lack of control I had over, mostly over time. So for me, it was a very much a time thing, right? So I didn't have control over my time. My time was always being given away to somebody else. I had to spend most of my time in places that I didn't want to be. Uh, and so what I, what I decided that I needed to do was to find a way to change that particular element while still making, you know, obviously uh, at a minimum enough money to replace what I was already doing to, to carry the bills and, and all of that sort of thing. So I literally thought that, well, being in charge of how I spend my time, probably the only way I can do that is if I have a business of some sort where I'm, I set that that the, the construct of how the time is spent, right? Uh, and so, yeah, that just led me down the path of starting to look for, you know, what, what are the options that are out there? You know, what are the options that, that are out there? How do you start a business? Like I, I was literally coming at it from, yeah, I'd worked in businesses and yes, I'd managed people before and done all that sort of stuff. But like, it was all completely foreign. Like, how do you start a business? What what are the options? Like I, I, I literally came in on it from, I, I, ne- I didn't grow up with any business owners. No one in my family ran businesses. Nobody, none of my aunties or uncles, my grandparents, nobody I knew was really in the business space. So I, I had no existing exposure to any of that. And I didn't really have anybody that I could go to and say, okay, so what do you do? How does it work? Where do you start? So yeah, I, I think like you, um, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about the Ben story at some point, but I, you mentioned earlier in this, in this, in this podcast, you just started researching, right? And so I was much the same, much the same. I just started looking online, you know, reading magazines, looking at all sorts of different stuff to kind of work out, um, knowing what I, what I wanted to achieve, like greater control of my time, obviously making money as well. Like what, what are the options? What could I find? So, you so had, that, that's really where I started. You had no side hustles? It seems like the, that's pretty prominent no. nowadays, right? I think if you look yeah. back in 2013, 14, 15, when you and I were getting started, there wasn't as many gurus and influencers and uh, you know, even, even social media was yeah. just getting you know kind of born back then. And so uh, Web2 wasn't 
as far along as it is today. Heck, we're moving on to Web3 already, right? And so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I was targeted by any offers back then of like, here's what you could do. And so much like you, I had, I had no examples. I had no one showing me the way. Uh, and so how did you even begin to formulate an idea of what you could do? I think the side hustle wasn't even in my terminology. Like if you would have said side hustle to me, I would have gone, what are you talking about? Like, what even is that? Like, that's how much of a foreign concept it it was back then. And certainly none of my friends, no one in my circle or anything like that had anything like that going on, right? Everybody just had a main thing and that's what they did, like me, right? So, yeah, it was completely foreign. But I would say while I was, uh, you know, some a few years earlier, um, I spent a bit of time in Thailand and, and a few other countries around Southeast Asia traveling. Right. And so I had come across people who were traveling around and running various online businesses. Right. And so certainly that had planted, I guess, a seed in my mind. And I kind of had it sitting in the back of my mind like online business is a thing. Right. Now, I won't say that any of those people really gave me a terrible amount of exposure to what they were doing and how they were doing it. But, you know, I'd, I, you know, I knew that that was a thing. And so I could get online and start looking like just, I mean, I was like just doing stuff like Google searching online business and, you know, getting, getting those results like you turn online business ideas that you can start in the next weekend, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so things like affiliate marketing and, and all of that sort of stuff was on my radar as I started doing that research. Um, and e-commerce, obviously, uh, you know, a, a smaller industry than it is now, at that time, because we're talking here about, you know, 2013 going into 2014. Um, But that was on the radar too. And I had met people who, you know, some of those people I'd met overseas were dropshippers. So the idea of dropshipping, which once again, back in 2013, 2014 was like, you know, this this was all the pre-AliExpress dropshipping and, and gurus talking about dropshipping online and all that sort of thing. You know, once again, it was really not a common term. Like I think back then, if you ask people what's dropshipping, most people would have never heard of it before, right? Um, but it was on my radar. And so definitely um, it came up in my research. And so it was one of the things I started looking into um, more closely for sure. A well, funny thing is, it wasn't like stigmatized back then it was around like that's how most of the internet ran from the time the internet existed until you know today even right like a lot of things were drop shipped. so it's funny that um there was no one out there really on the forefront uh but so when you you said you traveled thailand right you ran into some people running online businesses obviously that's the seed that's that's what that's what i was looking for like what was the the initial thought for you um and so like how did you determine when you when you started researching online businesses like what which one was going to be right for you because they're all honestly if you frame them all the right way they all sound very intriguing right affiliate marketing has its upsides uh, i don't think amazon fba was quite a thing it was just starting back then as well um mm. you know e- different types of e-commerce how did you find high ticket drop shipping like how, how did you stumble into that and, and realize this is the one that you wanted to at, at least take a stab at i think initially honestly my thought was that i would probably try more than one of the things online um i definitely know affiliate marketing was um somehow and i I really can't remember exactly where that little seed came from or who i was looking at at the time but that was certainly very high up on the list of things that i could have done um mostly because you know i like 
I'm, I'm good at writing. I like to write things and stuff like that. So the idea of doing like, you know, blog content and uh, monetizing it and all that sort of thing. I mean, that at the time that, that quite appealed to me. Um, but no, I mean, like people I met in, in, uh, in Southeast Asia were, were high ticket drop shipping. And so I had seen that they're doing this while they traveled around, um, which really fit with that time freedom element. Uh, and, and of course, location freedom, which, which were two of the things that were my primary drivers for doing this, right? Um, and they seemed like they were making some money. <laughs> um, I, I know, obviously, now that they were making nowhere near as much money as I thought they might have been making, but, uh, you know, that's another story. But they were making some money, but they, they really seemed to have uh, control of their time freedom. Um, so, look... It, honestly, it is a little bit blurry now how I got from there to, um, you know, actually getting started and um, how what how much research I did into that. But certainly, um, that research one way or another did took me to you know a course that we both did uh, on high ticket dropshipping, um, which back then was a very new course. Uh, so I think when, when I took it, it was maybe less than a year old or around a year old, maybe. Um, and it was, you know, it was a reasonably basic course, you know, still good still gave me enough though. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I really went for high ticket dropshipping because it seemed to offer that mix of um, potential. So I think I was probably sold on, on, the, on the amount of money that could be made a bit. Um, and maybe unrealistically so, but also it had that element of time freedom, location freedom, and also a low cost of entry. You know, so I kind of thought, well, you know, some of the other options I was looking at, I mean, I, and I looked at physical businesses as well, like not in the online space, which obviously had some attraction to some of those, but the cost of entry was much higher. You know, I would have had to put, you know, for some of them, you know, a couple hundred thousand on the table to get into them and stuff like that. And so, you know, drop shipping, low cost of entry, reasonably quick speed to getting results from when you started to when you started to see results. Whereas once again, affiliate marketing, that could be months and months and months before you start seeing any results. But high ticket drop shipping in at least the way it was sold to me at the time, um, seemed that that time frame was a lot shorter. And so it kind of just, to me, it also looked like something I could get started without quitting my job which I didn't do straight away. I built my business on the side, uh, on the side of my job so I could keep that income coming in. Uh, so really just offered in, in my research like that I was doing, like the, the best mix of the things I was looking for. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it really appealed to where I wanted to go um, while having a, a fairly low risk. Like if it didn't work out, I wouldn't have been out of pocket, you know, $200,000 or something like that. You know what I mean? Do you recall any of the, I'm just going to call it what it is, bullshit going through your head back then? Like, were you scared to, to, to take this plunge? Were you scared that you might fail? Do you remember any of the things going through your head before you decided, number one, to plunge down some money to buy a course for someone to like help you through this? Um, but just to take that risk, like clearly I was in the same boat. I wanted time freedom. I wanted location freedom. I was sold that I could, you know, run my business with a mm. laptop on a mm. beach somewhere. Um, but that did the 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 pull from those things wasn't necessarily as strong as some of the voices in my personal it just in my head and so I'm curious if you can you take yourself back there and, and relate to maybe someone listening to this who's in that same boat right now yeah I think I think 
making that initial jump for me, I mean, and I'll be honest, I I I I, I am a risk taker in general. Like not necessarily at that point in time, um, maybe not a risk taker in the sense of business or financially or anything like that, because I hadn't taken any of those steps yet, but just in life in general, like I was a pretty wild guy in a lot of ways. Like, and, and so um, I, I didn't, I, I don't think I experienced a lot of fear or sort of negative self-talk or anything, but I, I definitely had in my mind that um, I, I'm pretty, I, I think at that time I was like, well, yeah, I've seen these other people do it, but I'm a little bit skeptical that it's going to work out for me, sort of thing. But I think for me, what I I offset that in my own head by saying, well, I'm going to start doing this while I'm still working my job, and yeah, I have to buy this course. But honestly, I, that course it cost me like 300 bucks at the time. So I was like, well, like I said, I mean, I had a decent income, so I mean that that was money that I could afford to lose. Um, and as we've talked about in one of our Tactical Tuesday episodes on this podcast, starting one of these high-ticket dropshipping business literally can cost you, what, less than 100 bucks or a couple hundred bucks or something like that. So at that point in time, I was very much, I think, telling myself, well, you really don't have anything to lose here. Like if you lose that small investment, it's not going to affect your life in any significant way. So you don't really have any reason not to not to just push ahead with it. Um, now, I remember when I got to launching my business, you know, it, it actually, you know, which was a, a month or two down the track from there or, or a bit further, um, you know, that felt there was some different feelings then. Um, but when it, when it came to the step, the, the point of like making the decision to start doing this and, and building, my, building my business and that sort of thing, I don't think I, it wasn't something I struggled with in terms of negative self-talk or anything like that. I think I just told myself, you got nothing to lose, literally. Um, if it doesn't work out, you'll just I'll just go on to the next thing. I'll try something else. Um, uh, and I I was I think I was very much of, of the of the mindset then. I just convinced myself so much that this was something I needed to do that I was like, if if you don't if you don't do it, you're just you're gonna regret it. Because the the option is not the other option, which is doing nothing, right? It's just so deeply unacceptable to me that that's that's really what pushed me forward, and it, and it still is what pushes me forward, even now. Like you know, we're seven seven years or more later. Like <laughs> that that alternative is still so um, deeply unacceptable that even when um, you know along along that seven years, there's been points where I've had struggles, and maybe we'll talk about this more at another point in time, but. That's always what pushes me through is just, do you want to wake up at 70 years old working that same job? And that's all you've done. Like that, that terrifies me much more than starting a business and that business failing. Like literally that terrifies me, that <laughs> thought. It does. I'm not joking. I'm not hyping it up. I, I, I find that thought deeply disturbing. I think you touched on something that, that, all of the successful people I know have. And that's, you said the words, 
if this didn't work out, I'm going to find something else and keep going. Right. That you, you gave yourself no choice. You burned the boats. You would say, right. Like, uh, you, you were playing the long game here. You're not like, I'm going to take a stab at this. If it doesn't work, then I'll just go back to my job and, and, you know, live the shitty life. You just said like, I'm going to go no matter what. And so, uh, all successful people that I've ever met that they've made that decision that they're playing they're playing this game for the rest of their lives and, and some things aren't going to work, right? Nobody has a hundred percent success rate. And so you're going to have downtimes, you're going to have uptimes, but you're going to keep going because like you said, the alternative is so uh, unbearable to even think about going back to, Hey, just want to jump in here real quick and say, if you're loving this show, the number one thing you can do to help us out is simply go to Spotify or iTunes or whatever you're listening on and smash that follow button, that subscribe button and leave us a review. It really does help us reach more people. And if you've got a friend that you know should be listening to this, send the podcast over to them. We'd love to have them join us as well. And real quick, two quick resources I have for you. If you want to join us in our free Facebook group, you can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash dropship tribe, or just search the dropship tribe. And we also have a paid version of this podcast where you can get even more of John and I and longer form content. You can find that on Patreon at patreon.com slash dropship podcast. All right, back to the show. Uh, one thing I want to touch on, John, you said, I have a kid. I had another kid on the way. Um, there's probably a lot of married people listening to us who are saying, hey, there's someone else here in this decision tree of whether I should take this risk or not. How did you handle that? What, first off, what did, your, what did your wife think? And then how did you handle that, uh, you know, working with her on this? Yeah. And look, yeah, I mean, absolutely, this should be acknowledged. Um, if if you're somebody who's in a in a in a in a partnership of some sort in life, um, you know, in whatever way that is, and, and you've got you've got another people person or other people who are a significant part of your life and share your journey. I mean, this is something you have to take them along with. I mean, that's that's I say that from an advice perspective. <laughs> Don't try and do it in secret and then say one day, oh, this is you know, I'm doing this like you'll find it's a lot easier if you have the support of that person or people um, for that journey. And sometimes that's not possible. And in which case, you know, you've got to deal with that, but um, it, it helps if you do. So look, I, I was quite lucky in that my wife, Catherine, um, she was, was similar to me in that she, uh, she, she had a decent job. Uh, she was also at that time working full time um, near me same city you know different different places different jobs but um and and she was feeling the same way i was sort of thing that you know not probably not to the same extent and she doesn't think the same way as me but she was also like i can remember sitting there and, and talking to her and 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 it's both been like well this kind of sucks right like she had a six figure job too so our combined incomes were not bad Right, and like I say, we had a nice house, blah blah blah, all that, all that stuff that you're supposed to have, um, you know, and yet neither of us were happy, and, and we talked about that, and I said, well, I, I've got to do this um, because I think it's the thing that can, um, you know, change this dynamic, um, and. You know, and, and I said to her, look, I mean, if, if I can do this, then I'm pretty confident that if it works out that you won't have to work, you know, that I, I can I can make enough out of this to cover what we need to cover financially, right? And then obviously hopefully build some wealth on top of that is what we're aiming for. But, um, and she was cool with that. She said, well, yeah, go nuts, give it a go. Um, you know, I mean, we, we'd known each other since high school. Um, you know, we were best friends before we got married and all that sort of thing. So, 
I mean, I think she had a lot of trust and, and faith in me, which, you know, which is fantastic. Um, and, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, but yeah, she was like, yeah, we, we were in agreement that what was happening once again, going back to it, just, we couldn't continue on like that for our whole lives because it was making both of us unhappy, which probably would have led to us going our separate ways at some point, you know, and, and, you know, and we didn't want to do that obviously. And so she was, she was just on board. Um, from sort of from the beginning with that now once again i mean the that journey like like it never is hasn't been smooth the whole way and there there've been moments i think along the way where um her uh support for my business journey has gone up and down um which is normal like like a relationship goes up and down in and of itself um but you know that's that's where it started and, and, and yeah, that was very important. I mean, if, if I said I'm going to do this and the idea is, is that I'm going to quit my career and all of that at some point uh, and all of that and, and that was not something she agreed with then, yeah, I, I don't know where I would have ended up with that. That would have been a really, that would have been a really difficult um, thing to work through for me at that point in time. But, you know, fortunately that's, uh, we were both on the same page and, yeah, I just got stuck in. I think it's important to address that because I'm sure there's people listening who are like, I don't know if my wife would be on board. Um, but again, you seem like your wife was in the same shoes as you, as well as you didn't quit your job, right? I think that's a big thing. Like yeah. you and I both started this as a side hustle. In fact, I sold my first business while still working a full-time job. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, that, that helps a lot, but I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump over that knowing that you had a wife and a young kid and a kid on the way. Um, but all right, enough of the before stuff. Let's talk about it. you bought the course, you started building. Walk me from there. Yeah, yeah. So I bought the course, started building. I think I built my first business in um which was Sheik Chandeliers, sheikchandeliers.com.au. It's still online. Um people can go and look at that. Uh we might chuck that in the show notes. I don't own that business anymore and I haven't for uh some years now since since uh, uh early 2017. So uh, don't don't take give me any credit for what's on there at the moment, but uh, that's that's where it started. Uh, so I built that myself um, in yeah, it took me about a month to build that and and get it live. And like I was literally doing it. I'd come home from work, you know, obviously put the put uh, kid to bed and have dinner and stuff, and then I'd be online until like one o'clock in the morning, you know, putting this stuff together. Then I'd wake up at five o'clock the next morning and do a little bit before I went to work. And I literally just did that for like a month to get it launched, like uploading products. I'd call suppliers in my breaks at work and things like that to get supplier approvals for the first. I think I started with maybe six or seven suppliers on that site. Um, got those approvals in like, yeah, like I saying breaks around work. I mean, I was lucky that I was a manager at my work. So I had a little bit more freedom to kind of, you know, disappear and make some phone calls and things like that at various points in the day or, or answer somebody when they called me back or something like that. But yeah, it took me about a month to get it built. Um, and in, in 2014, um, this was, and uh, yeah, after it was built, I launched. And uh, like I said, I mean, when I went to launch that business, that was kind of like my moment where I was like, oh man, I'm so nervous about this. What if it doesn't work out? Like I put all this work in. What if I 
you know, launch it and nobody buys anything from me. I mean, you know, I'm I'm because now I'm going to start paying for traffic and things like that, right? So the, when you get to that point, the the cost and the and the risk, I guess, feels like it starts to go up a little bit because now you're committing to spending money to putting people on your website. At that point, um, you know, we we're launching with 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 paid traffic on Google, Google Ads, Google Shopping, that sort of thing, which is kind of still how we launch the businesses today. Um, which is one of the cool things about high ticket drop shipping is that that hasn't really changed a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, so I launched and um, started getting traffic. And I think in my first month, I made a whole of two sales, one of which I had to refund because the products weren't in stock. Um, but yeah, that's where it started, man. Man, I got a lot of questions there. Number one, if you go to <laughs> chicchandeliers.com.au and click our story at the top, you will still see John's ugly mug on that uh, about us page. Uh, yeah, I think it's when I had long like a, hair, right? Yeah, long hair. You kind of look like a magician uh, in the photo. Like, I don't, just say I don't know. Check it out, guys. Let me know what you think. I think it looks like ma- magician John Warren. But um, did you? You said you struggled when it was time to actually run ads. A, a lot of what we hear from our students and from some of our peers was. Um, Niche selection uh, and calling suppliers are like huge hurdles for some people uh, to get over. Mm-hmm. Did you stumble there at all? Did you immediately knew you wanted to sell, uh, you know, pendant lights? Did you call suppliers and you had had no fears there, or or did you stumble stumble there as well? Yeah, good question. Good question. Uh, I didn't really struggle with the niche selection. I mean, this this first business that I did, uh, I was doing it in Australia. So literally at that point in time, there was almost nobody in Australia doing high ticket dropshipping. Right. So as in there's no competition. Right. So uh, lighting, I mean, it was just an obvious one. Right. Is is really obvious products to find. Like I wouldn't do that now. And I would definitely wouldn't recommend anybody does it in the US market because it's way too competitive because it's such an obvious product to sell. Right. Every house has them. They can be quite expensive, blah, blah, blah. So it fits the criteria really well, easy to ship, all that sort of thing. At that point in time, very few people were selling that stuff online in Australia. So it was kind of like, yeah, I did breeze through that niche selection, you know, part of the process. Uh, I didn't have any struggles with that. Um, calling supplies, yeah, I, I remember I was super nervous about that. Right, yeah. Um, now, I was a, do, a guy back then. I did a lot of public speaking. Uh, I would regularly get up on a stage or a platform and talk in front of hundreds of people. Um, so I, I'm not the sort of person who has like issues, like I don't struggle to talk to people, but I think it was nervous because it kind of feels like you're really putting yourself out there. And if it doesn't go well, like, what are you going to do next? Well, if all the supplies knock you back, you kind of feel like, well, then I don't have a business and I'm going to have to start again and all of that. So yeah, I was nervous. I was nervous about that. And I think everybody who does, I mean, like I've coached now hundreds and hundreds of people through this process. Almost every single person is nervous about supply calls and almost always it goes a lot better than you think it will. And for me, I definitely got knocked back by some in the beginning. Um, I, you know, I, I probably had 20 to 30 suppliers on my list to call at the start there. And like I said, I got six or seven initially. I got knocked back by quite a few, um, but, you know, and, and that's normal. But um, I mean, I didn't know it was normal at that point, but I was like, well, six or seven, you know, they each had, you know, quite a few products. So I just felt like that, that feels like enough to get started and I'll come back to some of, some of those other ones later and, 
Um, but yeah, I was nervous about that. Um, but once again, like what, how did I sort of push past that and just do it? It, it just, that, that same thought was like, I don't have an option not to do it. Like I just have to do it. The thing, the thing that I'm aiming for is just so, um, so important to me that I just have to set aside my fear, my nervousness, and I guess fear of rejection or whatever it is. Um, and I just got to do it. I've just got to pick up that phone and do it and accept that it's going to suck a little bit. Um, and like you say, I mean, that, that whole, I had literally just convinced myself that this was something I had to do. Like, like you, you mentioned burning your bridges, like, yeah, those mental bridges were burnt. Like I, I just put myself in a state of, I can't go backwards. So I can't back out of this kind of thing. Well, a lot of our students struggle there, right? Like, so it's 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 pretty commonplace. I wanted to see where you were at. Uh, we are going to do a uh, upcoming episode on Tactical Tuesday. It's going to be all about uh, dropshipping, high ticket dropshipping niche selection. Uh, we're also going to do an episode in the in the future on like, do you want to actually hear a supplier call? Um, this this is how much it's brought up in our audience, and so we want to we want to do some content on there. Uh, and then if you're look, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to get started, go head over to dropshipbreakthrough.com. John will literally walk you through how to find products, uh, how to make that list of twenty to thirty suppliers, and then you can. You can call suppliers there as well. So a uh, quick plug for our, our course dropship breakthrough. Uh, but right back to it, John, I want to know, um, actually, Toby, uh, the founder of Shopify, tweeted this the other day and was like, here's my first sale. Here's how it happened. I'll never forget it the rest of my life. I think he sold a snowboard. I quote tweeted it, told my story. Uh, I want to hear yours. W- what was the first sale like? It, for me, it was life-changing. And so I want to know what, the, what that felt like. What, where were you? I, I would imagine you remember that very vividly. I do. I do, actually. You're absolutely right. I remember it. I was um, uh, in Sydney, so it was a work day. I was at at work at my job. Um, I had, I was out um, at another location doing like a meeting um, with like some stakeholders and 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 things like that. So I'd been in a meeting room for a couple of hours, um, and I, yeah, I got out got out of that meeting, finished that meeting, went out onto the street, looked at my phone, um, looked at my email. And so I had that notification in my email that you've made an order. So I was just like standing, standing on the street in, in Sydney, downtown Sydney. And yeah, like it was like that, that it's kind of hard to describe that feeling, I guess, or equate it to something. Uh, it kind of feels like, felt like for me, like, what can I equate it to? Like, kind of like winning like a final if you play sport or something like that like i don't know like it's that that sense of achievement was was massive um i was so happy like i was over the moon happy like crazy happy um and like like a sense of relief and um like a kind of weight gets lifted off you or something like that because you've kind of i mean it's only one sale but it kind of feels like you've proven you can do something right? All that work meant something at that point, means something at that point. And yeah, I mean, it, sure, you're not obviously nowhere near where you want to be or where you were aiming for, but it's, it's kind of like that first step. You've proven that you can sell something, that a complete stranger will hand over. I mean, my first daughter was for uh, four, four pendant lights, which are kind of like hanging lights. So I think it was about $1,200 in total, you know, so the high ticket sale and like you've, you've proven that some complete strain. I didn't speak to the customer at all beforehand. They just went online and bought it. 
Um, so some complete stranger had like opened up their wallet uh, and spent $1,200 um, with me. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that. That's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I guess like I wanted it to happen, but maybe a, a part of me leading up to that point didn't believe that it would happen kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and, but once it happened, you, you get like, you get a lot more belief as well. You're like, wow, I've done it. I've done it once. Now all I need to do is do it again. And then again and again, and just do it a bit more and, and sort of I'm on the way. So yeah, that, I mean, that moment, I guess, looking back on it changed my life forever because yeah, if, if that hadn't happened, then, you know, maybe I'd still be standing there in downtown Sydney working that job. I don't know. Who knows? I, I've never met someone who doesn't remember it. Like it's so, yeah. <laughs> it's so life-changing. It's a huge rush of dopamine. It's a real, you know, achievement unlocked. You're like, you, you're, it's like you're moving to another level. Um, and it's such a special moment. Did you have your sound on John? Because, uh, I know a lot of people when they hear that first Shopify cha-ching, um, uh, it, it's <laughs> that, that'll stick with you too. Uh, no, no, because I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Shopify had the app yet. Um, and I, I didn't have the app, even if they had the app yet at that point, I didn't have it on my phone. Um, no, I just, I just saw the, the, the order notification that you get when you receive an order in your email inbox. That's, that's how I knew. So no, there was no, I, yeah, that would have been cool if I was sitting in the middle of the meeting and I heard cha-ching, <laughs> I probably would have jumped up on the table about it, but, uh, you know, um, <laughs> unfortunately, no, I don't have that cha-ching moment. <laughs> Well, that would have been more memorable had you said I was in the middle of a meeting and I danced on the table. Uh, all right. So you said first month. I want to set some real expectations here because I had the same sort of thing. First month, yeah. you only got two sales. Uh, some might look at that and be like, well, well, then this doesn't work, right? But in fact, that's exactly how this – it starts a little bit slower. You're a new business. People have never heard of you before. They're not going to trust you um, right out of the gates. And so talk us through that. What, what did what did two sales mean to you? Obviously, you said one was out of stock. You had to get rid of it. Uh, and then what was your trajectory from there? Do you recall how, how fast you uh, started to scale as a business? Yeah, yeah. My one was – I mean, it was – it was it was not a not a fast start by any words of the imagination. So my first sale took ten days after I after I opened my business and started pushing traffic onto it. So that that first sale that I just described that was ten days after I started, and the second one came I think about a week after that one in that first month, and then I didn't make any sales for a couple of weeks. And yeah, I think the second month I made you know maybe three or four sales, and then it sort of started creeping up from there. Right. So it was, it was quite gradual, you know, in the beginning, you got to think, you know, seven years ago, like the, the course that, that I took that there was just like so few people doing it, that there was not a great deal of knowledge out there about the marketing side or the conversion rate optimization side. So I was really just kind of doing the same thing for, for, for a long time. They're just running some very basic Google ads. And, you know, obviously in hindsight, I think if I knew what I knew now, that business would have started a hell of a lot faster than it did, but that that's all part of the process, right? It's all part of the journey. You know, there's things you have to learn. And um, so, yeah, I mean, in all honesty, it, it's a business. Like some people do get a, do get a quick start with it. Let's not deny that. I mean, you've been involved with a business that had a, by most people's standards, a pretty fast start. Um, but for most people that I've seen do this, yeah, the first, 
the first few months, you can make sales for sure. You can make your first sales in your first month and it's not like it's not like an overnight success story kind of thing. Like you're not quitting your job in, you know, like as soon as you launch kind of thing because you've replaced your income. It doesn't start that fast. But when you put that in the grand scheme of things, I think like I talk to, you know, traditional, more traditional offline business owners all the time. Uh, and some of them are like, yeah, man, I, I plan to start making a profit in two years time. It's like, well, you know, I was making a profit after a few months sort of thing in high ticket dropshipping like so yeah it started slow um but then you know i got to the point where i was making a, a, a couple of sales a week and then you know a few more sales every week and then I get to making a sale a day and um that i just continued on sort of slowly building up learning the marketing side of things like i say there's just so much less information available and people that I could go to for advice and all of that sort of thing compared to what there is today, it took, it took quite some time to, to put all of the marketing pieces together. Uh, at the same time, I was still like uploading products, calling suppliers, trying to get a few more suppliers on the store um, for the first sort of six months. And I, I just kept doing that. And so, yeah, it, it built up gradually over the first 12 months for sure for me. Um, but, by, by the end of 12 months, the first 12 months, for me, I was definitely in a position where I was making enough money out of it, like profit, that I could cover cover the bills and all, all of those sort of life commitments that we had at that point. Well, the beginning is such a grind. I'm glad you touched on it. Like it's it's a lot of uploading products. It's a lot of calling suppliers. It's a lot of figuring shit out that you just don't even understand uh, and learning marketing, right? And and setting up some emails and like there's there's a lot to do in the beginning, uh, and that's usually what weeds out the the strong from the weak, right? People that don't want to put in the work versus those that do want to put in the work. And if you can if you can break through to the other side, like you said, by the end of year one, sounds like you were covering all of your expenses. Where did that lead? When when did the moment come where you could, you know, throw the double birds up at your boss and, and head home for the day? Because that, <laughs> like that's what people want to hear. They want to know how the fuck do I get out of this job and how long is it, you know, how long did it take you, John? Yeah, like I said, I mean it I I I could have I could have I think left my job at at about that 12 month mark um i didn't leave straight away mostly because you know like there were things i didn't like about working a job right like the commuting the time spent all of that sort of thing but that doesn't mean i didn't like my actual job or at least parts of it like i worked with some great people who i had a lot of respect for um i was very well respected in that industry and all of that sort of thing so you know, I had some commitments there that I wanted to not just like you say, flip the double bird and just walk out the door one day and, you know, chuck everything on the floor or whatever and say, this sucks, I quit. Uh, you know, like realistically, I, I had a few things to see through. So I stayed on for, um, some, a, a, you know, a few more months um, to see that through. Uh, I cut down my hours a bit as well. So I sort of went from full-time down to part-time. Uh, in that job. So I was starting to spend more and more time working on my business. Um, but, you know, for that first 12 months, like I was running the business, handling the customer service and all that sort of thing, like in my breaks, around my work, you know, sneaking off during the day to answer the phone or call back customers to make a sale and stuff like that. But yeah, so it was um, thinking about the month that I quit. 
you know, it was probably closer to 18 months after I started that I was fully out of my job. But like I say, if I absolutely wanted to, I probably could have done it at 12 months for sure. Just from a, just from a financial perspective. Do you remember that day? Is that, is that memorable for you? The day you were like, I'm done. And like what that felt like to, to walk out the door one last time and, and realize you're in charge. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, it probably had a bit less impact because I didn't go because I, I was gradually tapering myself out. But um, as, as opposed to just one day going from all in to nothing in. But um, yeah, I, I definitely remember uh, that last day. And like I said, I mean, I was leaving a lot of kind of, uh, you know, stop, stopping seeing a lot of people that I actually liked every day and that sort of thing. And, and some of those relationships I knew was sort of slowly going to, dwindle away and um you know there was a mix of excitement fear and uh, in a certain sense loss as well you know i mean like i say i was i was walking away from something i'd been doing by that stage for a decade um where i did have a, a i guess an amount of status and respect in that space and i was giving that up so i was i think there was actually a little bit of loss there as well from that perspective. Like I was going from being somebody somewhere to nobody anywhere yet kind of thing, you know, uh, kind of starting from, it's that starting from scratch thing, um, which, which is, is very daunting when you've been doing something comfortably for a long period of time. Uh, and I know a lot of people struggle with that. Um, but yeah, so it was a real mix of emotions, like a lot of different things going on there. Um, and then, you know, sitting sitting in the office at home for that that first day and just going, well, now it's all on me. <laughs> like it's really now all on me. Like I've, I've just got to uh, now. I really don't have a choice but to make this work because I've just uh, just walked out the door. So yeah, it's such a crazy time. Like mentally, for sure. Like all the things going around in your head. It's yeah, it's confusing. It's scary. Like it's. But but once again, it's such a such a life experience. Like even even if it didn't work out, like just having that experience is, is. I mean, I think that's just one of the things that you know. I imagine you get to the end of your life and you're like, yeah, I'm glad I did that. You know what I mean? Well, one of the favorite things I have about business in general is that you're building an asset, and assets appreciate in value and they sell for multiples of what they're currently uh, making in profit. And so I know from knowing you, John, you don't own cheekchandeliers.com.au anymore. You eventually worked worked to sell that. Uh, can you can you talk us through that story of like what was what was it like to like begin thinking about selling your business? What what was the process like? What did you sell it for? If you're if you're open to sharing any of that information, because um, I think that's one of the coolest things that you and I have both experienced is exiting uh, a business or multiple businesses. Um, that's a that's a wonderful day. Yeah, yeah. So I, I ran that business for well by the time it sold nearly three years, not, not quite three years. Um, uh, I made the decision to um, sell it um, probably about six or like the mental decision to sell it, probably about six or seven months before it actually sold. Uh, so it took a while to sell it, um, uh, which is not unusual once again. Uh, I think some people think selling a business is like you chuck it up for sale and it sells the next day that's often not the case. It can take a bit longer to sell it. Um, 
Look, I made that decision once again. I mean, the business was 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 in it was in a decent position. Um, you know, it had it had been my thing for like like I say, nearly three years. Um, and and certainly at that point, uh, probably, you know, not quite two years since I went full time with it. Um, but there were things I didn't like about it. Uh, you know, primarily that the product uh, and and the and the industry and all of that sort of thing. Like I said, it's not one with hindsight that I would recommend anybody does. Um, there were definite downsides to it, um, just which were more market specific and and uh, all of that sort of thing. And so, um, and, and I didn't I didn't personally have any attachment to it. like I I really couldn't think why anybody would buy most of the products that I sold. And, and for me, that was just like, I was just kind of getting a bit sick of it, really. Um, and yes, people say, well, why don't you just like get it managed and just keep it going? And, and sure, yeah, that, that's definitely an option. And that wouldn't have been a bad thing. But, you know, I wanted to sell a business. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to get that chunk of cash out of it to uh, fund starting some other things and build some other businesses that maybe I was a bit more aligned with personally. And I found, I found I had more interest in and So, um, and, and invest some of it in a couple of other places that were not business specific at the time that I wanted to go into. So I thought, yeah, you know, let's, let's see what happens. Um, and so, yeah, chucked it up, sold it through empire flippers, which, um, at that time they, they were kind of like the guys, selling websites. I think there's a few more options out there in the market now, but certainly they were they were the main guys that people talked about when it came to selling a, a, an online business of, of this sort. And um, yeah, so I got it valued and put it up. And like I said, it took a while to sell. I mean, I had a few bits of interest here or there. It was an Australian business. So um, the market of buyers for an Australian business is a lot smaller than a US-based business or a business in a larger country for, for obvious reasons. There's just a, a smaller smaller pool of people who are interested in it. It's harder to sell to somebody overseas because of the time zone difference and currency differences and stuff. But yeah, look, you know, ended up finding finding a buyer for it or, or Empire Flippers found a buyer for it in Australia. Um, and we, you know, we had a, a bit of negotiation there. Um, I can't remember multiples. Exactly. Where did we wind up there? Uh, certainly, I ended up accepting a lower multiple for it than what Empire Flippers put on it. Um, just you know, primarily for the reason that uh, by that stage it had it had been up for sale for a long time, and I was just getting a bit sick of the whole process. So I took a little bit, uh, got a little bit negotiated down, but of course the sale was progressed in US dollars, which was funny. Sold in US dollars because that's Empire Flippers' US company, even though both buyers were in Australia. So that was good for me. Um, maybe not so great for the seller to be paying in US dollars. Uh, sorry, the buyer. Um, and that ended up coming uh, to all, all, all in total, um, just over two hundred thousand dollars. You say that so nonchalantly. That's amazing, right? Like uh, back, if I think back where I was before I started. Someone saying you could make 200k would, would mean a lot, right? In one lump sum, let alone all the money you made along the way. And uh, I think um, 
definitely knowing you took a, a lower example and I, and I sold mine for, for the bottom back then, which I think was like, you know, two and a half X or something like that. Your yearly profit nowadays, multiples are insane, right? Like they're, uh, they're up four or five, six. I've seen businesses go for 10 X. I'm being offered 10 X on one of my brands right now, which is just, it's, it's unheard of. Um, there's a lot of, you know, low interest rates and a lot of cash in the market nowadays. And so the idea of selling is, is appealing to a lot of people, I think, because of that lump sum payment. Yeah, I think I think the multiple I got on that I'd have to go back and check the 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 emails that I that and the and the contract around it, but it was like twenty one or twenty two times, like the monthly, you know that they Empire Flippers calculated on the monthly, or back then they did anyway the monthly uh, average profit over six or twelve months. So I, I think I think it went on the market at like twenty four or twenty five x, and yeah, I took a a slightly lower. Uh, one in the end. Yeah, it's crazy how much it's changed because it's. I mean, you can't go on a site right now without seeing in that three to six x range on most businesses. Um, yeah, and they were. I think mine was you know twenty eight x or something back in the days where we first listed at as well. So, um, and, and it's, you can tell it's an Empire Flippers one because they do the monthly where everybody else does the yearly. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> valuations. What happened after that, John? You sold your business. But yep. number one, can you talk about where you might have put some of that money? That that stuff interests me. Like I, I, I like to learn about wealth creation, wealth generation, and like you didn't get two hundred thousand dollars and then go buy a Lambo um, and upgrade your house and call it a day, right? Like that's not what you should do with money. Uh, you should no. make money and then go make that money make you more money. Uh, and so I'm curious, it, what are some cool things you did with that? Yeah, I'll tell you something cool that I didn't do that I wish I did. I, I didn't know you could buy Bitcoin back then. There you go. So uh, I certainly <laughs> didn't buy Bitcoin for about five cents a Bitcoin or whatever, whatever the hell it was back then. <laughs> and yep, I wish I knew about that and I wish I did it. I really hadn't. I don't, I think I might have heard of cryptocurrency back then, but yeah, definitely not on my radar. So I missed that boat <laughs> to think about, you know, if I had have known, yeah, sure, I would have chucked a hundred grand on Bitcoin. But uh... <laughs> to be fair, no one's missed the boat yet. It's, it's, it's so fucking early, dude. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So early. Sorry, I just mean missed the boat on the on the Bitcoin uh, overnight millionaire story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, so I put uh, my wife and I um, invest in real estate, um, and we made quite a bit of money out of that as well. So uh, some of that money went into some uh, real estate opportunities that um, we were looking at. Um, some of that money I used to start some other businesses as well. Uh, and um, that, that was about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been uh, from, an, from an investment perspective um, or a passive income or whatever you want to try and call it, but like my offline wealth stuff has been for, uh, yeah, a long time now, uh, a lot of that's in real estate. Um, so I, I used to renovate houses and flip them as well. That that was kind of like my first side hustle to my main business of e-commerce. Um, so doing all that sort of stuff, which obviously requires a greater capital investment um, than online business, but uh, that's that's and, and that's still something that we do. Um, we do some other things now as well, but yeah, real estate's always been been part of part of my investment 
mix. Well, I think it needs to be a big part of Freedom Friday, something that we talk about with with many people and bring in some experts as well because like you're not going to do this shit the rest of your life. You probably don't want to do this shit the rest of your life. I can't turn it off. I don't know how, why anybody would want to, so I'm going to be doing something the rest of my life. Um, but if you think you know, uh, athletes are great examples. They spend their money as it comes in because it feels like it's going to keep happening forever. And the average yeah. lifespan of an athlete is like three years. Um, you know, you are an athlete. If you're running a business, you should treat yourself like an athlete. Uh, and so you're mm. going to need to invest in yourself and you're going to need to take care of yourself. But you're also going to need to put that money somewhere where it's going to work for you. Uh, get money by income is a phrase from uh, I can't even remember his name. Uh, his name's Chris. Uh, I love that phrase. Like, if we can talk about that on this show and show people, you know, the, your business is step one. You should have a business that generates you income and gives you time and location freedom. And then you should take that income uh, and invest it somewhere where it's going to make you even more money um, and hopefully passively. Uh, so I love talking about that stuff. I could probably rant about it yeah. uh, longer than most people. I, I don't know. I love digging into that stuff. So I'm glad to hear, uh, you know, what, what did you do from a real estate front, front, John? Did you buy a rental property that you currently rent out? Did you do Airbnb seemed to be the hot thing in the last couple of years of buying places and airbnb them out. Yeah, look, at that, at that stage, um, Airbnb was not the hot thing. Um, I think Airbnb was, once again, just getting started back then, but, um, or, you know, not, not as hot, at least in Australia. Anyway, Another thing you should have now. invested in back then. Way to go. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so um, uh, part of that money went into a house that we uh, bought out in a regional area where prices were fantastic and it was in a growing market. And so um, it was a piece of shit house um, and we renovated that and sold it um, about 12 months later and made another 250,000 on that, um, on that investment. Um, and then part of it went into uh, paying off, off a property that we rent out, um, which had been more of a longer term, just a, a passive income. Uh, positively geared kind of investment that we own and the rental income is part of our, you know, p- part of our passive income. So, you know, um, <clears throat> like I say, that's, uh, that's always, that's always kind of been my thing. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in Australia at the time as well, at that point in time, 2017, um, it was, uh, and in some places it still is a great time to make money off real estate. So once again, it was a good time for that. Like, you know, that same year I sold another house and made, you know, nearly half a million dollars profit just off selling a house that I'd owned for three or four years. So, um, you know, go figure. At the, at the time, that it was, a, it was a great time to be doing real estate. And so that's why it was a, a large part of where I put my money and, um, and, and profit. Um, today, it's not quite the same because that, 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 that market's a little bit different. It's you know it's still a safe investment, but you know in terms of a generating a lot of a lot of income quickly, it's not as good as it used to be, or it's not the same as it used to be right now. So we do some other things that are, you know, that are better. Do you know what I mean? Well, we wanted to keep these to an hour, John. So we got about ten minutes left. Where 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 has this journey taken you, right? You sold that business and I know you've done a lot of things since then. You've worked with a lot of businesses, your partners on a lot of businesses. What, what can you say dropshipping has done for you to like, where, where has it taken you since selling that business? Yeah. So one of the cool things that it taught me and one of the things that was unexpected, like I mentioned earlier in the episode that it can take you places that you didn't expect, right? For, for some people at least anyway. Um, now I've continued doing high ticket dropshipping through to today in, in various ways and but one of the places where it took me that I wasn't really expecting it to take me is that 
And one of the cool things about high ticket dropshipping, right, is you 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 basically learn a whole bunch of skills that are really usable, right? So you learn things, you know, you learn search engine optimization, you learn how to run pay-per-click ads, you learn how to do conversion rate optimization, you know how to do website development, like how to build a Shopify store and all this sort of stuff. You learn a lot of stuff. Um, and I found it at, at that time, sort of around, it was actually before I, you know, a bit before it was probably... I even started kind of late in 2015, but certainly going into 2016, you know, I'd been, uh, you know, involved in various online communities around e-commerce and drop shipping. And so people knew who I was and, you know, I was doing decent with it and all of that sort of thing. And I used to get a lot of people who would just come to me and say, Hey, John, can you help me with this? Hey, John, can you help me with that? Um, and I, I spent a long time just like helping people just, you know, just doing it because I loved it. And I, and, I, and I still do love helping people and um, not really asking for anything in return. And then people started saying, can I pay you to do this? Can I pay you to do that? And I just started accepting that. And that kind of became a really regular thing. And I thought, well, people are going to pay me to do it. Maybe that's a business too. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went in and I started offering people services around, I can manage your ads for you. Uh, we can do coaching and uh, so one-to-one coaching and things like that. And that that turned into another side business for me that was that, that was a profitable experience, um, which I did for, well, obviously, I mean, we still do that today in an element that, that of course, morphed over time into providing online education, um, you know, stuff around e-commerce marketing and high-ticket dropshipping and continuing to do our, our coaching and we do group coaching now, all of that sort of thing. Um, uh, really, that started back in 2016 for me. Um, and that doing all of that sort of thing and helping other people in various ways to grow their businesses. When I started, that was definitely not even on my radar. I never thought, oh yeah, one day I'm going to become a coach or some sort of, you know, consultant or something like that. Once again, I didn't even know that stuff really existed back when I started. I never had a coach, right? But, um, you know, if, if I look at it today, doing that stuff and helping other people is 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 probably the thing that brings me the greatest joy that I do. I enjoy, I mean, you know, I, I, I personally like doing that more than e-commerce, but, um, you know, yeah, that's, that was something that was, that had been really cool for me. It's just like, I learned, you learn stuff doing this that other people will pay you to do. Um, and, and I think that, you know, working with other people definitely has its downsides as well. Uh, everything you can do from a business perspective has pros and pros and cons, but um, uh, it definitely has some downsides as well. And so it's not for everybody, but you know, it's sort of something that I found a pretty good uh, landing place with as well, uh, which is which is why I continue to do it. Well, I've got three. We'll call them rapid fire, but feel free to answer more than a couple words here. But three questions I want I want to ask people on freedom friday so number one how has your journey changed you as a person as a human yeah so i certainly have a uh, like much more belief in what i'm capable of like so you know going through the process of building something yourself that that, that becomes successful as opposed to walking into something that somebody else has built and just fitting into their system actually creating that yourself and and making it successful for, and, and 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 being responsible for it all I think it really opens your eyes up to what you as a person are capable of and like what you can do. So now like I like when I look at new things, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I know I can do it. 
and 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 so I, I just I, I just have yeah a greater greater sense of it's hard to I, I struggle with explaining this sort of stuff but um yeah my self belief is just way higher than it used to be I have much more self confidence um, in what I'm capable of and and I think that's 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 been a big change for me. You might have just answered this next question, which means I'm going to have to rewrite a new one. But how do you feel you think differently today compared to when you like when you first started dropshipping? How do you think differently now? Yeah, so I I, I see, I have a much more abundant thought process now. So back back before I started, it, life just seemed really kind of railroaded. Do you know what I mean? Like you're brought up. Like I was very much brought up in the. This is traditional life. You do X, you do Y, you experience X, you experience Y. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. And, and I followed that path for a long time um, until I kind of broke out of it. And now, like, I, I just see possibilities and um, things that can work everywhere and different ways of doing things that, like, is so much more expansive, like the world of possibilities out there. Um, and not just seeing those, but actually, like I say, believing that I can actually do any of those if I want to apply myself to it. Um, I think that's 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 like probably the most fundamental shift for me. All right, final question, John, I have for you. What would you say to someone just starting today, to the to the listener who's listening to this who hasn't taken the first step? What would you say to them? Yeah, I'd say probably probably echoing some of the things I've said earlier, like. It, you literally have nothing to lose here. Like really, you, you, this is like, if you're sitting there and, and, and you're like me and you're in a, I guess, position in life that for, for whatever reason just isn't acceptable to you, like, and you know you need to change something. And when you know that, you'll feel it like deep inside you. Like when you know you need to make a change, like you really have nothing to lose. It will not be something you regret. Um, you, you just need to get in, do it and do it consistently. And, and that's probably the second thing I would say, like most people, particularly when we talk about high ticket drop shipping that don't, that, that you might think fail, uh, I'm, I'm doing in quotation marks fail is not actually because something about the path they were following didn't work or the business model doesn't work or something like that. It's literally most people quit, right? They don't have the commitment to see through the process. They don't have the consistency of practice to let the model and their business be successful. And that's that's the biggest thing I'd say about myself um, is that like I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm the smartest guy in the room. Uh, in fact, I know I'm not um, and, and all of that sort of thing. I'm just kind of like a dog with a bone though sometimes. Like I just don't let go, right? Uh, and sometimes that might be detrimental, but when it comes to business, it's definitely not. If, if you can just be the person that just holds on and doesn't quit, doesn't give up, keeps trying, keeps looking for new ways to push through, like you will get there at some point. It's, it's kind of a matter of if not, not, it's not a matter of if I should say, it's a matter of when, you know what I mean? So, but that's the biggest thing, like get out there, do it, and then just keep doing it until it works. And like, this might sound strange to people, it doesn't end. There's not like some place you get to where all of a sudden everything's magical. Like it just, 
it slowly happens over time and it, it never ends. You're just every day going to wake up and take consistent action, uh, towards whatever's next. And so, uh, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. Too. And I think I, I still, I still this from somebody else. Maybe it's Gary V or somebody else, but like kind of learning to love the journey. Right. I think that like, if you're talking about longevity in business, you've really got to learn to love the process and the journey, because like you say, it actually doesn't end. So if you try and say, well, I'm only going to do this till I get to X, I think that kind of in a way sets you up for failure. Like you might meet hit X, but if you if you kind of come at it like I, I kind of come at it from the from the place of this is who I am. This is like I just do this. Right. There's yes, I have goals and there's steps and there's places I want to reach over time, but um, I would do it anyway, even if I didn't hit them. You know what I mean? Because it's just what I do. I think people push off happiness till then. When I get there, I'll be happy. When this happens, I'll be happy. Be happy today and just keep taking action. And it's a journey that never ends. And and that's true happiness is is unlocking these new achievements and continuing forward. And um, yeah, but just get started, right? Like that's that's the key. You You have to take that first step. Well, awesome. I'm glad we got this first Freedom Friday out of the way. Uh, John, I think the next one, you can interview me. Uh, we have very different stories, very different stories. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who who relates with John and who relates with me. But we wanted to get our stories out there. So, um, yeah, Freedom Friday, number one in the books. And I uh, can't wait to do number two. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Dropship Podcast. You can find all the show notes for this episode at dropshippodcast.com. And if you're ready to take the next step in your dropshipping journey, we invite you to join us inside Dropship Breakthrough, where John and I will walk you through step-by-step in starting your own high-ticket dropshipping e-commerce business. But that's not all. Dropship Breakthrough will also teach you everything you'll need to know to grow your business and take it to the next level. So head over to dropshipbreakthrough.com and sign up for our free training that will help you take the first steps towards building and growing your own profitable high-ticket dropshipping business.